Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key, and friendships are made to last a lifetime. Got him? You think we got him? We got him. You said that yesterday. <laughs> Alright, Skylar, what do we got here? We got a oh. nice looking red ball. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Women of the Wild podcast. I am your host, Linda White. I have my co-host, Felicia Marie, with me, and I'm also your guest today, too. <laughs> How are you doing, Felicia? I'm doing well. I'm really excited for this one so that everybody can uh, learn a little bit about how wonderful you are and everything that you're doing. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so I guess today um, we're going to we're going to dive into who you are and what you're doing. So um, I guess with that being said, do you want to tell us about yourself and your upbringing in the outdoors and what you're currently doing? Yeah. So um I am not a outdoor child, I guess you could say. Um, I fished a lot as a kid. My dad was uh, was really big into fishing, so that was something that I did with him. Um, I was a daddy's girl, so if he was waking up at 4 a.m. to go fishing, I was tagging along, even though sometimes he wished I wasn't. Um, at 12, he was a hunter, so I was like, I want to go hunting with you, dad. And he said, okay, great. Um, we went squirrel hunting. I shot a squirrel first shot right on. My dad was super excited. I mean, he was like, all right, she's good at this. Ran over, saw the squirrel, bawled and made him bury it in the backyard. So mm -hmm. that was like, he was like, mm -mm, I guess we're done with the hunting thing. And I didn't get it at that time, but he was like, we're not burying a, uh, a deer in the backyard. So, you know, that was it. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, I'm, I'm big into trapping now, but you know, as a child, I didn't even know what it was. I, I never, I never even heard of it. Um, it wasn't until I met my husband where he said, you know, I fish, I hunt and I trap. And if you can't get on board, you know, that then that's a problem. And honestly, whenever I met him, I thought he was like trapping mice. So I'm like, okay, you know, Hey, if that's, that's what you're into, dude. It seemed a little odd and strange to me, but you know, it, I was like, all right. Um, and the crazy thing about it was, is so I, I lived in the city at the time and I went home and I told my best friend about it. And she literally showed me every anti-trapping video and propaganda, all of that that's out there. And honestly, if I would have been really naive and listened to all of it, 
I would have thought he was a serial killer. Like, yeah. I, I can't believe it's it's crazy. Like now being on the other side of things because I was open minded and and went out and saw what it really was and spoke to people who were actually doing it. But so I can't believe like sitting on this side of things, like how much is out there that is just completely lies like that. That is just crazy to me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I saw all of that from her and I, I just couldn't believe even then, like he seemed like such a great guy. So that is actually how I got involved in, in trapping and was saying, you know what? Hey, I really want to see what you're doing. So I went out with him. Um, his passion for it was just explosive. Um, it, it would just kept bringing me back. Um, and every time I got a little more involved and a little more involved until now I'm running my own lines and teaching people, you know, getting women involved, teaching kids, doing all of these things, really deep diving into it. And quite honestly, a lot of that goes back to the whole anti-propaganda. You know, once I realized what this was, I was like, you know what? People need to know. Like people really need to understand what is trapping. And if you if that's not something that you want to do, then that's fine. But at least have the correct information, not all of that garbage that's out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of so for those who don't know, Linda is one of our executive managers here at Women of the Wild, and she actually hosted our trapping event a couple weeks ago. And it was a group of women, some youth kids there, and um, her and Megan, one of our ambassadors, uh, really honed in and educated that course. But I know that after the fact, there was that video of, uh, I think it was Dale, one of the instructors had shown you guys like to put that you can put your hands in these traps. And so many people have this like false persona that they're going to like break your hand or break these animals hands if you get your finger in them. So I thought it was really neat that you guys touched on that because that's like a huge like Hollywood false persona of those traps are breaking bones when in all reality, they're a set of handcuffs. Um, but you guys like really hit the nail on the head instructing that course with giving them the proper information why we're trapping. Um, so is that something you want to touch on is a little bit of like what like what trapping is and why you do it? Yeah, so. First of all, just like you said, you know, um, these these traps that are out there, they're very humane. They're just holding the animal in place. They're restraining the animal. And I always I joke, but it, it's it's not funny. Um, I joke with people all the time who are like, well, don't they break bones? Don't they this? Don't they that? And I my response always is I'm not in the business of trapping feet. Like, think about that, you know, like. I don't have a whole bunch of little feet running around, you know, it's, it's, I'm there to trap the animal, to restrain the animal. So my objective, I mean, if you think about it is to utilize that animal as much as possible, the fur, the glands, everything that's there. And if I'm damaging or harming that animal at all, I'm not able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I mean, logically, if you think about it, why would you want something that would actually harm the animal? Now, yes, there are traps that are out there that are called kill traps, you know, that are instant killing the animal that you use in water for beaver and things along those lines. 
Um, there are snares out there. That, you know, there are traps out there that will will instantly kill those animals. Yes, um, but we're not we're not torturing anything. You know, and I think that that's really important to touch on because so many people out there get this in their head that that animal is held there and the entire time is just in agony. And that's and that's not the case at all. Um, I've walked up on coyotes that are sleeping. Yeah, I had a raccoon the other day um, who was literally playing in the mud. It was the funniest thing in the world. I almost wanted to take a video of it, but it was kind of crappy out and I wanted to like get moving. But I mean, he was, he was laying on his black back. He was like flipping his little legs around. He was playing. Um, and oh, it was funny because when I pulled up, it was almost like I was bothering him. Like, <laughs> oh, why are you here? Like, you know, what's going on? Don't um, interrupt my playtime. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a little mud bath, you know, it's good for the skin. Um, so, it, you know, the, the whole idea that we're we're harming these animals and hurting these animals um, is crazy. And actually, if you're a responsible trapper, a lot of us even go through extra steps that we don't have to take. We'll put extra swivels. We'll put um, extra lamination. We'll we'll do a whole bunch of extra things that are not even required, you know, just to give that extra protection to those animals. So. Um, as a responsible trapper, you know, like I said, and I, and I touched on it, it's not something that we ever think about as like hurting an animal. We're literally just holding them there, you know? Um, so why do I do this? Well, there, there's quite a few reasons. Um, one, the whole conservation of it, the whole, um, you know, thought of animals, the overpopulation, the wildlife, you know, mother nature can be very, very cruel as far as diseases and, and all of that. And as humans, we've kind of moved in and took over the world. Well, that also means that we took over the animal space. So it's really our job to help with the population control, help with the diseases, all of that that's out there. So that's a reason. Another reason is, is honestly, it's a game in, in, in a, in a way, you know, being able to get that, that one animal to step in this tiny little spot, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, it, it's, it is, I'm not going to lie. It, it's fun. It's fun to be able to say, Hey, you know, I picked the right location. I picked the right spot. I use the right attractant. Um, those things, you know, it, it's like a game, you know, because they have that whole field that they could run the entire field or the entire forest, wherever I'm setting that trap. But I'm going to pick that one little location that they stepped. You know, that's that makes me feel like, hey, I must be doing something right. I paid attention. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's that's quite interesting right there. Um, and the third reason that I do it is because I can't. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of rights out there that are being taken away. There's a lot of um, things that our country was founded on. You know, trapping is something that has been around since the beginning. You know, this is how your ancestors, you know, clothed themselves, ate, and so on, you know, and, and we need to keep those traditions alive. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, 
there's there's a lot of good old boys out there who will be like, hey, your place is in the kitchen. Um, you know, let let the men take care of these kind of things. And, you know, right now, women is the the largest demographic that is growing in the outdoor community. And I want to be a part of that. I want to show that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a burly girl. I'm I'm five, three. I, I weigh 150 pounds, so I'm not I'm not really huge or anything like that. But I'm doing everything that my husband can do. You know, mm-hmm. I I might be doing it a little different, but I can. And I want to be able to show other women that if you want to do this, you can. So those mm-hmm. are the reasons that I kind of trap. That's that's why I do it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not fairly as advanced as you are into trapping, but I've been doing it for a few years. And one of the big questions like I get asked a lot, is that why you do it? So I always like to to mention that to people of what it does for conservation. Um, You know, trapping coyotes, it's going to help our deer populations. Mm -hmm. There's so many other animals out there being managed and there's not a lot for those predators. So like managing our raccoons is going to help our turkey populations. So do you want to touch base a little bit on the conservation aspect of what it does for you and your community of trapping? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you've got to you've got to really look at what is around you. First of all, when I first moved up to Sawmill, now my husband was the only person who was trapping in this area. And quite honestly, he wasn't even trapping at home. He was trapping like farms and everything else. So it was funny because he would tell me all the time, you know, there used to be all these deer, there used to be all these turkeys here in Sawmill. And I don't know why. Well, his uncle and him used to trap our area. And when he started later on, he he got away from trapping when his uncle had passed away for a little bit. And then when he started trapping again, he was trapping outside of our homeland. So they weren't managed. And it was funny to me because he kept always saying, like, I don't understand why there's no deer. And I'm thinking to myself, you're a trapper. You should understand why there's no deer, why there's no turkeys. So when I started getting into it, I said, you know, OK, I'm going to put some traps behind the house. We own 71 acres of land. Why are we not utilizing that as trapping ground? You know, we hear the coyotes, we hear all this stuff. So the first year that I that I put traps out behind our house, I had caught nine red fox right behind our house, just in our small area. I caught one coyote and I think there were a couple possums and coons. Not a not a lot, but there was nine red fox. Now I first of all, I love trapping fox one because they're really easy to take care of, to manage, you know, um, for my size. I'm not trying to pick up this huge animal or anything like that. But people don't think about the damage that fox in general do. You know, they they are nest raiders. Um, you don't think about that. You know, do they do they kill huge deer? No, but they can kill fawns, they can kill our poults, you know, the the smaller whenever they're first starting out animals, those are what they target, mm-hmm. you know, bunnies and everything else. So I had caught all of that behind our house the first year. And it was funny because the second year that I started trapping, we started noticing the the ducks that were down in the pond that weren't there before. We started noticing on our walks all the bunnies that were running around. Um, now I'm on, I think, year four or five of trapping behind our house and the deer on sawmill this year 
have like you can't drive down the road without almost hitting one. I mean, it's just the it's crazy. Um, we now have gentlemen who are coming asking if they can hunt our land, if they can hunt our turkeys, because the turkey population behind my house has gone crazy. It's it's crazy to me to even see like it's been such a short period of time that I've been trapping behind the house, but the the population, the growth that has happened has been fabulous. And we have not eradicated any kind of species. Don't think that, you know, like, yeah, it sounds like I caught a lot of fox behind my house, but I caught a lot of fox because there's a lot of fox there. You know, there's still fox that are there. There's still coyotes that are there. There's still all, you know, coon. All of those animals are still on my property. But because I'm managing the population, it's allowing growth for other animals to come in, to move in, you know, and we manage those animals as well. You know, I, I told you about my squirrel hunting story, but I've now got back into hunting and and my husband and I go out and, you know, he shoots a couple deer every year. We have a bear that I have been like stalking. One of these days I am going to kill this bear. Um, but I've been stalking a bear behind my house. Um, you know, we've been able to utilize the land and mm -hmm. by controlling predators, you're able to utilize the land even more, mm -hmm. you know, by getting your deer, your deer population better able to to feed your family off of the deer the turkeys and everything that are there now yeah um and it's it's quite interesting to see what just one season how much that can how much one species can flourish like you said the deer the turkeys one season of trapping is it's just phenomenal what it can do for those populations so when you start synchronizing that and you start adding you know two three four five years of trapping like you said, you're not eradicating anything. Those populations are still there. It's just they're not being managed. So you do need to do that in order for those other species to thrive. So I do think that trapping is a really misunderstood um, ethical way of harvesting animals. And I think that a lot of times it's very misunderstood. But I, I mean, like I said, I've been trapping for a couple of years and I give kudos to people like you that can devote it because for me, I do it for like my local farmers and my property just for that reason of helping my turkeys, helping my deer. Um, so for me, it's not like a way of life like it is for you. And those people that are doing it that way are doing everyone a service, especially our people out hunting and, and worried about conservation. Trapping is one of the things that's going to help it thrive more than almost anything out there that we're doing to manage because there is such a high population of predatorial animals that aren't being managed. And um, it really makes me like just hats off to, to trappers because it's a very undervalued skill that's out there. Yeah. And people don't even think about like um, farmers, for instance. Okay. So let's, let's get away from the hunters, you know, even your local farmers, beavers, and flood a field and take out a whole crop. I mean, just hundreds and thousands of dollars can be blown out because you got you got a, a beaver that's, you know, flooding them. Um, that those they're damming up your streams or whatnot, and it's just taking out the the entire crop. Um 
we have a we have a lot of people who will call us for that reason. We've had um, even homeowners who, you know, because they have have beavers behind their homes, you know, if they flood out their their mm-hmm. just their basements and everything else. I mean, there's a lot that can be done. And and I don't want to take away from the animal because beavers, um, fox, you know, coyotes, they definitely have their place. I don't I don't want to think like anybody to think like, oh, you know, we're we're out trying to attack these animals or whatnot. No, they definitely have their place. Um, But because humans have moved in and we're using the land and utilizing, you know, for for farming and, and whatnot, we need to have a good balance. And and you need trappers to keep that balance. You know, I I always look at California as the example. Now, they had banned trapping in in California, except for nuisance trapping. They now have a coyote problem to the point where these coyotes are literally walking down the streets in neighborhoods, killing little dogs. Um, There have been children who have been hospitalized because of bites and everything else because these coyotes have no place to go. I mean, between all of the forest fires and everything else that's there, between, uh, you know, the the new developments and everything else, you know, using those lands that they were once, you know, had, they now have an overpopulation in those forests. So they have no place else to go but walk your streets. Um, the day that they banned trapping, the exact same, it was like within hours, they paid $10 million to get rid of a beat for nuisance beaver. Can you imagine that? Like, you literally had these trappers who were paying into the state to get their license that were taking care of these problems. And now you banned it and you now your, your state is spending $10 million to get rid of the beaver problem that your trappers were paying you to do. Right. Like, I I don't understand it, but, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy how things work and, and the idea that people have, you know, there's there's been lawsuits and everything about, you know, oh, um, this was this was set, you know, illegally like this trap. And there are mistakes. Mistakes happen. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, you might have a dog that gets caught in a trap and it's not the end of the world. If it's set illegally and it's the wrong kind of trap, it could be a mistake and there could be fatalities, unfortunately. But if you have responsible trappers and we're following the rules and regulations, those things don't happen, you know, right. but you also have to have your dog on a leash and you also need to be, you know, a responsible dog owner as well. So, you know, it, it it's, you know, both, both sides of the coin there needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, uh, here in Michigan in 2013, I think it was 2013. I might be wrong on the year, um, but it was November a couple years back, quite a few years back, I actually had a chocolate lab who was out roaming during the day. Um, mm-hmm. Completely our fault. Our dog got out of the house and was running loose. And we had a pack of three coyotes take him down. And um, that was kind of my inspiration to like get into trapping was because what if that would have been my kids? Like people, people don't realize that with trapping that with these predators, if they're not managed, well, yes, it helps conservation, but they do. They start moving into our neighborhoods. They'll start attacking our pets and our children and and not to like feed that fear, 
but it's a reality. And mm-hmm. I think until somebody's experienced it or know someone that's experienced it, they don't understand the story behind how important it is to um, curb that population. Everything else is being managed. So like you said, they do have their place, but they also have their place to be managed as well. You're not eradicating species out of the woods. And um, quite honestly, it, I mean, it does put, you know, a good hindrance on the number of them, but it's needed. So it's, it's one of those things that I think that if people understood and, and hear those stories of, you know, even raccoons, how much damage do those do to farm properties? Uh, woodchucks, woodchucks are really detrimental to farm fields. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that when they start looking at, at rodents too, um, is what these do to our agriculture, what they're doing, getting into your trash cans at home. Nobody wants a raccoon rummaging right. through their trash, tearing it all over their driveway. So those are all all realities of it too. If they're overpopulating, they're going to move into the cities. They're not going to stay in the wild. Um, they're going to lose their fear of people. Um, so that's all part of that management too. And it's, it's very, um, like I said, it's a very lost skill. That's very important to keep continuing and it's a very old skill. So it's really neat to see even our, I don't know if you've seen like some of our younger generations, I know you, you do a lot with youth, but seeing our younger generation getting into it is really heartwarming because it's, it's a lost skill that I feel it has is starting to make a good comeback. And it's because of people like you. I think COVID actually has helped a lot. Um, and I don't know if, if that's across the board, you know, as far as fishing and hunting as well, but Mm -hmm. with, with, um, trapping, you know, that that whole shutdown of everything, you know, you couldn't really do anything, you know. Um, so there were more trapping licenses that seemed to be sold, Pe- more people wanting to get out and and being a part of the outdoors. And you know, they found grandpa's traps in the in the shed or something, and they were like, "Hey, let's go do this because we can't go see a movie or we can't, you know, um, go to a ball game or anything like that." So I think COVID kind of helped a little bit in that aspect of of getting people outdoors in general, you know? Um, and I, and I want to say that there's a lot more children lately that seem to be more interested, which is great in my opinion, because I got to tell you, like, like I'm a mother of five and, and my kids, it's, it's crazy. Cause we, you know, the oldest one, when she started um, trapping with Michael, whenever she was a kid, she loved it. And then she, you know, found boys and everything else. And that kind of took it down. But kids in general these days, it seems like technology is is what they want, you know. Um, and unfortunately, walking in the woods doesn't involve technology sometimes. So um, they're not as interested. But it's great that it seems like we're starting to get back to that. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely feel like I've seen a big influx on people willing to get in the outdoors since COVID happened. Um, whether that be hunting or fishing or anything like that, I do, I do notice a large increase in people wanting to learn. Um, and that's adults, kids, every, like it kind of hits all age bases and genders. Um, so I, I will say that I do think that that has contributed, but I think it also has contributed to the fact that people are, are now awake to the fact of being more self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the price of groceries, you know, the, the price of milk, the price of meat has gone up. So people are, un, are getting that understanding that I can go out and harvest this and be a part of that conservation society and start hunting and providing for my family. And then you feel the reward of the fact that you just harvested this animal that's now feeding your family. And it, it right. almost just feeds that passion of what you're doing. And it really locks them in. Um, and I will say women seem to like just within the last, I would say two years, a lot of women have came into the trapping community. Um, a lot of women have came into the hunting and fishing community that weren't here before. And it's great to see that and have instructors and people inspiring them that are very well versed and educated on what they're doing. And um, it's just, it's great to see that, but it's also really important to make sure these girls are getting the proper education. So they're not out there doing it and doing something where they're going to harm something or not follow rules. Um, so that's all a really big part of it too, is making sure that when we as women of the wild are helping or, or you with, you know, sawmill and everything that you have with trapping, that the instruction, the education behind it is given and provided to these men, women, children at a good level. So that way they're able to comprehend it and then put that to good use. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now a short word from our sponsors. Well, you see, trappers are a special breed of people. We're dedicated, committed, and passionate about what we do and who we are. Each and every one of us has an intense desire to be the very best we can. So in a world of skinny jeans, man buns, and pumpkin spice lattes, sometimes you just have to stop, push back, and tell the world, that's not me. Whether you're from the far north, or in the deep south, and anywhere in between, Southern Snares can help you succeed at getting the job done and being who you are. Girls with Guns Clothing is a proud sponsor of Women of the Wilds podcast. If you're looking for hunting gear, be sure to check out our new fall collection, including the launch of our new Artemis Generation 2 lineup. With Girls With Guns, you know that our gear has been designed and field tested by women who actually hunt and wear this gear. We have an amazing team of women who contribute and share their ideas and extensive field testing so that our gear works for you in multiple hunting environments. We build our gear for women of all shapes and sizes, made by women for women. If you want to try out GWG, you can go to gwgclothing.com and use WILD15 for a discount off of your first order. Hey everyone, Andy Lehman here from ACC Crappie Sticks. Just want to let you know about our crappie baits and jig heads. We have a wide selection of the hottest colors and big eye crappie jig heads in the most popular colors and sizes. Check them all out at acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. Do you enjoy the great outdoors and hope to share that excitement with your kids? Now you can through Dr. Josh Farr's great collection of books. Share your love of nature while also teaching valuable life lessons on friendship and learning the alphabet with books like the ABCs of Hunting. Plus, the ABCs of Hunting workbook is the perfect learning tool to captivate young readers and create a foundation for your future hunter. Find out more about these and other books from Dr. Josh Farr at Dr. Josh com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com. We would also like you to check out Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, 
Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safaris, Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service, and Hunting Day Podcast. And you know, it's 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 funny that's a that's a great segue into why I joined Women of the Wild. So um I like I said, you know, when I started trapping, um it it really what fueled me was getting that education because everything I had seen with the propaganda of like that this was bad and wrong and and I shouldn't be doing it. Um the more I was out there seeing what trapping really was, the more it kind of pushed me to say, more people need to know this, mm-hmm. you know, um, they need to see what is really happening and why this is so needed. And, and throughout my years of, of being in the trapping community, I have really kind of pushed that agenda, I guess you want to say, to to not just those that are in the community, but to those that are looking in on us. You know, um, everything that I do, I try to really show an educated base behind it. You know, come out, see what we're doing. I invite people along all the time. And so when I kind of stumbled across you and I had seen all these events that you were doing and you know, with women of the wild and putting that all together. And I really loved that you were going out and doing all this stuff. So I started paying attention a little more, you know, I kind of, kind of stacked you a little bit and was like, all right, what's, what is the deal with this? Is it, is it just like a profit thing? Is she educating people? What's, you know, what is happening? And the more I got to know, and the more I got to know you, and it was funny because I was doing a, um, a virtual class. I think it was um, your trapping yeah. class. Yeah, I was doing a virtual trapping class um, because that was something I wanted to do. Like since we had COVID and everything, I couldn't do these trapping classes. So I was like, all right, let's let's utilize, you know, technology here and we'll do a virtual trapping class. So you were on the trapping class and you were asking questions and they they were great questions and you were taking notes and everything. And I said, all right, well, who is this girl? Like what's <laughs> really going on? All right. So I I started paying attention even more. You know, I had seen all the stuff that you were doing, but I started paying attention even more. And I was like, you know what? She is actually out to help. It's it's not a money thing. It's not a hey, look at me thing. It's Mm -hmm. a I want to create a space for women who all are are like minded some may be starting out, have absolutely no clue even where to begin. Some may be super experienced and we're all going to come together and we're going to support each other. And here are all these different events or classes or whatever you want to do. You get to pick, but find your people, find your tribe, ask your questions. And this is your outdoor safe space. You know, um, if that's, you know, and that I love that. I absolutely love that. And I was like, okay, I got to be in on this. Like, I I can totally applaud other people for great ideas. It's funny. My husband always says that I can't because he's like, you always want to be part of something. And I'm like, yes, I do. But I can totally applaud other people for great ideas. And and I can recognize them and say, you know what? I want to be a part of that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, 
like that inspired me to even want to do more. And so I reached out to you and I was like, okay, what are you doing? And how do I do, how do I do it too? You know, like, how do I be a part of this? And it was funny because when, when we first talked, I was like, how do I do this? I want to be a part of it. And you're like, um, I don't know, because we hadn't really thought of bringing other people on and we didn't really think about doing that. And, and, um, but I gotta say, and, and I think that for anybody out there listening, if you see something that someone is doing and you like what they're doing, join them. Mm-hmm. Like I see so many people out there who try to compete against other people and everything else like that. And in my opinion, that's not the way to go. Like right. don't, don't sit there and compete against other people. Find that person. And if you really love what they're doing, reach out and say, okay, how do I do this with you? How can I be a part of it? Because all you're going to do by being a part of that is making it better and bigger. And maybe like, like we have our cookbook and we have our calendar and things like that. Well, you know, if it was just you, there's so many things that we're now doing that you personally just could not do on your own. You know, Mm -hmm. you'd be stretched way too thin. Not that you wouldn't want to do those things, but you just couldn't, you know? So now that we're, we're growing women of the wild, we have our ambassadors coming on, you know, we have a, we have more of a board and everything like that. Like we're doing such great things. So I always want to tell people, you know, stop trying to compete against other people, join Mm -hmm. them, you know, make, make what they're doing. They started bigger, better, and, and, you know, applaud each other along the way. I hate that it seems like there's so many people out there trying to compete. Like, right. We're not competing, you know, I I hate that. Well, and it's, it does fall in that, like, we're not trying to stifle anyone else's flame. We want to glow brighter together. Um, And like you said, the reason for that is you build a community. So if you, if you decide to branch out and do something on your own or try to do something on your own, you're starting from scratch and you're going to get there. It's going to take time, but you're also going to fall in that same situation that you're going to need help too. Um, you, you and Cass and all of our ambassadors that we're now bringing on, we wouldn't be where we're at without you guys. Um, I like, I just don't have enough time in the day as a single mom, you know, working full time. This is just a hobby. And a lot of people don't realize that for all of us, you Cass and I are the board of women of the wild and we all have full-time jobs. We all have lives at home. We're mothers. Um, you know, we're fur moms. So we have a life outside of this. We do this because it's a passion. We don't make money from this. And the sisterhood that we have built between all of us, between our ambassadors, to me, has been great because we're all on that same mindset. And it's really easy to function without drama. Just like the that passion is just there that we all want to help. And when you find people like that, it really just makes everything easier, but it also starts hitting a demographic that you didn't have before, which means you're helping more people. So if you're really in it for the purpose of reaching more people, you're going to do it better by teaming up and making a mm-hmm. sisterhood. And that community that we have now to me is incredible to see these girls. And it's the most rewarding thing out there to me is watching these new girls try something new. The feedback from our trapping class that you and Megan instructed was fantastic. And we're going to have more because of that. We have so many people that were upset that they missed it. 
or they live out of state. So we are going to come with more in-person in other states and we're going to have online learning and not just for trapping for everything. So I think that's a really important thing for people to understand. Like we might not have it yet, but we're going to, we're learning as we're growing and we're also hitting a larger demographic than we ever were before. And we want to service those girls. If, if you want help, reach out to us. We'll find a way to get you help, even if it's not with us. Um, so to me, this whole like community sisterhood that we're, we have going on, you're right. It's, it's great to just team up and be together. And plus you make some of the most wonderful friends out of all of this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, think about it. Like I now have a, I now have a, a group of people other than my husband that I can go and <laughs> complain to. Um, <laughs> and that, and you know what though, like sometimes you need that. Sometimes and and there's even things like like trapping wise or hunting wise or whatnot that I can say to Michael, like, this just isn't working for me. And he doesn't get it. Like, because A, his hands are bigger or he can lift more or he can whatever. Where I can go to you or to Megan or, you know, whoever and say, like, all right this isn't working for me because my hand is like the size of a 12 year old or, you know, like my legs just don't go that fast or whatever, you know, it's just, it's just not happening. And you understand like Mm -hmm. you're there. And I think that's something too, like men listening or whatnot, when you're going out and you're taking your wife or your child or, or whatnot with you, whether it's trapping, fishing, hunting, just because it works for you one way, it's very important to know that it it may not work for her that way, you know, mm-hmm. and and patience is is a virtue. <laughs> I I hate saying it like that, but like when when I first started trapping, my husband, like he'd been doing this since he was nine. So I would ask these questions and he'd be like, Linda, just just do it. Just right. Just do this. And I'm like, this is not working for me. So, um, and, and I had to figure out a lot of little things on my own. I would watch him and I'd say, okay, I can't do that, but how can I do this? You know? Um, and that's actually how, whenever I started trapping girl, that's, that's why, and how I did that because I was struggling. And if you went to conventions and everything there, there's the gloves that are on the tables or this, you know, large, extra large, the, all the tools that were out there were man specific, you know, um, as a woman, I could use them, some of them, but they're, they were really with a, with the gentleman in mind. So mm-hmm. that's actually how I started trapping girl, because I got tired of trying to figure out what, what I needed to be able to do this safely and productively and make it fun. Um, so I put that together because I figured, you know, I'm probably not the only girl out there who is struggling. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not special. So it, it's probably not just me. Um, but that's actually how I started that. And I have to say, I think that, and, and this isn't to, to make my head swell, but I think like having having people like me, having people like you, having people who women who are willing to be in the forefront and showing what you're doing, showing how you're doing it is 
is attracting more women to this, to mm-hmm. these communities. And I think that's fantastic because a, a while ago, like when even whenever I first started getting into trapping, I didn't really have that. I didn't have someone that I could say, hey, how did you do this? Or mm-hmm. how do you do this? And not that there weren't women out there, but I didn't know about it. You know, I didn't know those women. There weren't, there wasn't anybody who really like would be at conventions or would stand out or anything that I could say, hey, I could ask them and maybe they could give me, you know, something. Where it seems like in the hunting and the the fishing and now trapping communities that that's grown, that's changed. And I think that's fantastic because those people coming in now have so many resources that are out there that, that I just didn't have. Right. Yeah. Cause you, and I, I think that it builds a strength within the girls that didn't have it because you had to learn on your own. You had to figure it out for yourself. Um, cause I was the same way when I got into hunting and fishing and everything, even trapping, um, I, I didn't have somebody to reach out to, to learn from. So I just had to figure it out on my, by myself. And, and there's a lot of mistakes made and sometimes that's frustrating and sometimes it's a deterrent for people. But now, especially with the way social media is and how many women are stepping forward into that, um, that forefront and showing how they're doing it and willing to educate. I do think it's, it's creating a much better demographic for women to succeed um, because they're not, you're, you're kind of weeding out that frustration. You're weeding out a lot of the errors, not that they're not going to happen, but when you can advance something and say, okay, don't do it this way. And this is why you're going to avoid error. You're going to avoid accidents. You're creating a safer space. So you're going to have less detriment on somebody that's just learning how to do something and having a deterrent to why, why it's done this way, because well, that's how they had to do it and figure it out for themselves. They're not having to do that anymore. And they're having these women that are a safe space um, that there's no stupid question. That's, that's the thing to these girls is no matter how big or how small it is, it is not a stupid question. If it's something that concerns you or, or you are questioning why it's done a certain way, don't hesitate to ask because we've already asked it. Yeah. Like we, I mean, we just had this conversation recently um, that I had a, a gal asked if she needed to wear orange during waterfowl season. And I was like, no, no, no. And, and don't get me wrong. That question is asked frequently by new hunters. So it's not when I explained to her why she, she was like, I, I don't want to say upset with herself, but she was asking. Um, and I actually had a gentleman ask me before. So mm-hmm. um, one of my friends, we were talking about it and he, he had asked that question before. So it's, these questions are asked by many people. It's not a stupid question if you are questioning it yourself. Um, and then having that better understanding so you can learn from it. The foothold traps with like the T3s and things like that, explaining the purpose of those for the raccoons and keeping the dogs out of them. So like you said earlier, following regulations, sometimes people don't know. Um, right. Yesterday I was out in the woods deer hunting and I had 30 turkeys out and Somebody had asked me if I was going to take one. And I said, no, turkey season ended the day before. Right. So, and they didn't know that. So even just something that simple of, of those types of regulations is making sure that you, you are educated and sharing that information with someone else. So they don't create an error that you potentially could have saved. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about 
What about sawmill and trapping girl? Do you want to tell us about that? Because your scent lures and, and all your traps that are designed for women are are really a, incredible out there. Yeah. So um, so we have sawmill creek bait and lures. We my my husband will tell you that that has been um a blessing and a curse, I guess you could say. So when when my husband was younger, he he learned all these different um recipes and and stuff from his uncle and he played around with things and he learned a lot about what attracted a coyote to you know to this spot and 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 so on and so on so um when i met him he was he was making baits and lures and the guys that were in the community and everything here would come to the house right before trapping season they'd bring a case of beer and they'd sit in the garage and they'd drink beer and they'd go home with all these different baits and lures and it got to the point where I was like, we are spending a lot of money making this stuff and all you're getting is beer out of it. Like, <laughs> like come on. Um, like you can get drunk on your own. We don't need to, to give baits and lures away. So it's funny because I came home one day with a business license. I had a logo, everything. And I said, all right, we're going to start doing this. Like we're going to go to conventions we're gonna go do all of this thing these things and my husband said to me well how do you know that anybody's gonna buy it and I said well first of all I see all all these guys come here so it works you know I've, mm -hmm. I've watched you I've watched you you know not only give all of this stuff away but you know the coyotes in your traps and whatnot so it works I said and second of all I have seen you go to conventions and how much money you spend at these things. So yes, people will buy it. Um, and so we started Sawmill Creek Faith and Lures and we started going to conventions and it just, it's, it's funny because it has really become our life. Like it has really taken over everything that we do from the nuisance trapping side of things to going to different events. You know, we, I went to Alaska and spoke at a, at a women's conference there, a women's summit there. Um, I have done, I write articles now for the American Trapper that highlight women in trapping. Um, but that, that kind of came after I started Trapping Girl. Like I said, um, you know, there weren't these, there weren't, there wasn't a space for women to go at conventions to find what they needed. Um, and that was that was the thing. When we started going to all these different conventions with Sawmill Creek, I would notice, A, there wasn't a lot of women walking around, but the ones that were just kind of seemed, I don't know if I want to say out of place, but frustrated too. You know, they couldn't find what they wanted if they were trapping. They didn't feel that it was, something that they should do because there weren't other women who were doing it. Um, somebody told me one time that Trapping Girl gave other women permission to trap. And mm -hmm. I thought that that was so funny, like, because I'm thinking, like, I, I didn't do any of that. Um, but I, I had it explained that there was now a place for women. They felt that there was some place to go and ask questions and see these things. And, and I loved it after I looked at it that way because I now see that. I see how there were 
women who were going to these conventions who wanted to trap or who were trapping, but there wasn't something that was meant just for them. So they Mm kind of kept quiet and they kind of just walked around and, you know, maybe they asked questions to some people or whatnot, but they weren't as into it, if that makes sense, at these conventions. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have Trapping Girl. I write for the American Trapper, which is the um, NTA's magazine. So I highlight a woman every other month within the trapping community. I have, um, I, I chair the, the committee for the She Side, which is now the NTA's um, women's workshops that are, are done at the National Trapping Convention. Um, like I said, I've gone to a couple different summits, one in Alaska, you know, just highlighting women in trapping, getting women involved, having their questions answered. Um, we've whole, we've held um, online trapping events, which is like I like I said, where we really kind of more or less connected even more. Um, and all of these things that I have done, I have to say it wouldn't none of them would have happened without women being involved. Mm-hmm. seeing seeing the fact that like when I started Trapping Girl that there were more women coming and asking questions it and when I first started it someone said to me well do you think there's even a need for this and I thought well I needed it so yeah there was a need for it you know um but I don't think that there was that that men realized how many women were actually out there trying to do this or doing it behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, right. Right. And it, it flooded, it literally just flooded the, the trapping community. And we now have, there's, there's more things that are, are based for women, not just, just trapping girl, but there's, other other companies out there and whatnot that are in the trapping community that are now flourishing and and seeing that how much women needed these things you know Mm -hmm. um and and like i said you know we're doing all of these different events and everything because there's a need because women want a place to ask those questions i had a lady like we did the the she side um at the NTA, the, the workshops this just this last year. And there was a woman who came all the way from Florida. Okay. So the NTA was in Ohio. The workshops were in Ohio. She came all the way from Florida. She had never trapped before in her life. And she came because she wanted to know if this was even something she wanted to do. She wanted mm-hmm. her questions answered. She now, um, this is her first trapping season. She has her license. She's out trapping. She is part of the NTA. She became a member of the NTA and of the Florida Association. She's trying to get more involved. I mean, it literally just flourished from her saying, okay, she read about it. I think it was a a Facebook post or something in one of the um, outdoor groups that we put in. She saw, I mean, she was already doing outdoor things. Don't think like, you know, she was already hunting and fishing and things like that, but Trapping was something that she wanted to know about. She didn't know how to even start. She didn't know where to ask those questions and said, you know what? It's it's worth me getting a plane ticket and going all the way to Ohio 
and finding out she had a blast. She said that the workshops were just what she needed. I mean, she learned everything from how to set a trap to how to skin it out to even how to make something from from your product that, you know, your fur and everything. So I think that's fantastic because now we have somebody who is is truly educated, is now out enjoying it. You know, those things would have never happened before. And I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's hats off to women out there that are doing what you're doing, you yourself and other women who are doing the same, providing that education to women and letting them grow their passion from it is what this is all about and what the sisterhood is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not out, it's not about out about like self-fame or money or anything like that. It is just truly helping other people find something that they have a passion for because we're people that enjoy seeing that in other people. Um, you just feel like you're making a difference. So it's, it's great. Um, now I know that this whole thing has been untrapping and I know you are more complex than that, that you are getting more into hunting and, uh, I, you're an avid fisher. Do you want to talk about any of that? I know that we've talked about, um, you hosting some fishing trips and things like that with women of the wild. What kind of stuff do you see coming up? Yeah. So I, um, I've been fishing ever since I was a little kid. Um, and like I said, you know, I I was a daddy's girl, still am a daddy's girl. And my dad was big into fishing. Um, he worked with the FBI. And actually, when he retired from the FBI, he went to the IRS. And when he retired from the IRS, he actually became um, part of the Fish Commission because that was what drove him so much was his his love to go fishing. So I've done that all my life. And um Last year, no, actually two years ago, I decided I was going to start learning how to ice fish. Um, And let me tell you, without a little tent, that can be an experience. Um, The first time we went ice fishing, my my face was so frozen from the wind and everything. And I thought to myself, like, why does somebody do this? This is horrible. And then and I bought a tent because somebody told me, like, don't give up. You need to have a tent. That little igloo changes the whole world. <laughs> like it's yeah. crazy. You know, just just getting out of the the wind, it changes the whole world. Um now I'm really looking forward to ice fishing. Um it is it's become something that I've I've really enjoyed. Um I really like doing it. It's it's different though because like when you're when you're out there fishing, you know, you kind of have this spot like I can't see anything all the ice is there like I can't I can't use my polarized glasses to see if I can see anything or what like like I'm like all right well I'm just sitting here hopefully I've got something going on um and I know there's all these this this technology that's out there and I haven't invested in that yet so but um the ice fishing thing I've I've really I've really enjoyed um and I'd like to be holding some kind of events you know through women of the wild bring some some girls out who maybe have never experienced it before, or maybe they can even teach me a little bit about more about what I need to be doing. So that would be something I would love. We have um, this spring, actually, um, we have a turkey hunt that is happening in my backyard with the FTA, Um, not with Women of the Wild, and maybe we will get one one time um, going on. But yeah, we have a turkey hunt. And that's been something, like I said, I, I'm stocking a black bear, but this year I hope to get my, my first buck. Um, 
and I'm going to be going out actually this coming weekend is is opening day here for for rifle so I'll be going out and and trying to get my first buck and anything honestly at that point I mean I don't even care if it's a doe but (laughs) yeah it it becomes more about the meat and the harvest of of completing it Mm -hmm. um which is is great again seeing seeing women jump into that and I know that we're running out of time but I will say ice fishing we are definitely going to have events. Um, ice fishing is, is one of my big, big things. It's, it's a very big hobby of mine. And, and I will say having a shanty makes a world of a difference out there. Um, having the proper gear. So we will definitely be having some of those coming up after the new year, once we have a good ice season, um, and sharing that with, with girls. And we have some great sponsors, uh, ACC crappie sticks is donated women of the wild, some ice fishing rods. So We'll be fully equipped this ice fishing season to take some girls out and um, share that and hopefully venture into a few states doing it as well. That way we're, yeah. we're hitting larger demographic. Um, the turkey hunt, again, I'm a, an avid turkey hunter, so I'm super excited to see what you guys do with that. Um, is that all women or is that? No, actually, um, so the I, I'm on the board of the, the Fur Takers of America. Okay. And um, they had an auction where just different events, different things. And so we had a gentleman who bid to come turkey hunting with us. So I'm, I'm really kind of like it was raising money for a good cause. You know, um, any kind of money that is is raised is going back to fighting some of the the lawsuits and the bills and everything that are out there to take away our rights. So it was it was for a good cause. And I have a, I have a, we have this gentleman who's coming up. Um, we're putting them on some birds and we're going to see what happens. And, and I just, it's for me, like, yes, I'm not the person who's harvesting it, but to be a part of it, like we had a, we had a girl last year who came up, her and her boyfriend came up and she, she shot her first Tom on our property. And it was, it was the very first time she shot. A, a bird out of state and be a Tom. And she was super excited about it. The, her face, like she couldn't stop smiling. And it, just to be a part of that and to know like, hey, my my trapping is what helped her get that, you know, um, it's it's like a full circle thing. And and I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's almost more rewarding to see somebody else do it than it is to do it yourself. You know what I mean? To know that you were you were part of that, that you helped with that experience. And to share in that joy is just is just fantastic. I think it's funny you say that because I know you and I think a lot alike. We're on the same page a lot. Um, but just this past weekend, I I literally had just said that is I somebody had asked me why, I mean it's duck season here and I haven't shot a duck yet. And somebody asked me why I haven't harvested ducks. And I said, well, I've been duck hunting. I've, I've been out doing it. But for me, I'm at the point where I've lived it. I've done it. I don't have anything to prove to myself or anyone else as long as I can put meat on the table. But for me, seeing that joy, that passion in these girls or these kids, even these gentlemen that are getting like new into hunting, like seeing other people harvest, I would rather live that through them than me just keep reliving it. Um, not that I don't enjoy hunting. Absolutely enjoy hunting. Right. It. That's why we do it. 
Um, but I also get just a, a great satisfaction out of seeing other people enjoy something that I love so much. Um, and it, it really, really hits home when it's kids, when Mm -hmm. I see my kids or, or kids up at, you know, at the school, when I do mentor programs with getting kids in the outdoors, when I see that next generation of conservation out there and getting the proper education and getting the good foundation and fundamentals and ethics instilled into them at such a young age, we're, we're only contributing to ourselves at that point, to our society, to our world of conservation and ensuring that our next generations and generations to come are going to be educated because they're going to see how we did it for them. And that's going to continue as those generations progress. And, um, finding these women that are so in tune with willing to help. I mean, look at Megan, our ambassador, the second she had an opportunity to come help you at that trapping event, you two just hit it head on and completely crushed it. Like you guys did incredible. So these women that are here with women of the wild are here to help. We're here because we love what we do. We love helping other people and all of them from our board to our ambassadors. Every girl with our team is here to push you other women and, and children and even men into finding what you love doing and giving you that success of learning something. And it's, it's incredible to watch all of these women who are, are willing to, cause it's not always easy to step in the spotlight. It's not, there's a lot of ridicule that comes with it. There's a lot of questioning there's a lot of <laughs> sleepless nights. Um, it's a lot of work, but we do it because we love it. And we do it because we see how much you love it. And, mm-hmm. and when the new people are coming into it, they need that person to set their insecurities aside or set what they're comfortable doing aside to showcase what's happening. That way they know that there is somebody to come to. And that's what Women of the Wild is doing. That's what you're doing with Trapping Girl and everything that you're doing. And having you as a part of our team has been an absolute blessing because we wouldn't be where we're at without you. I'm glad that I reached out to you. I got to say um, it there have been there have been um, some very stressful times that we've had, you know, um, trying to make sure we've got everything, you know, all our ducks in a row and everything like that. But, you know, the the time that we have been together, I, I have to say it. I'm excited all the time. And um, Michael laughs at me because. I will be I'll be playing voice messages or I'll voice voice clipping and I'll say like he'll be like do I even have to ask like (laughs) do I even do I even have to ask who we're talking to or what because I'll have an idea or hey do we have this or what do I need to do with that and like even at night you know um, I'm working on I have our, our cookbook almost all wrapped up and you know any free time that I'm sitting down and watching TV I'm working on this or and and it's so funny because this isn't a paid position, you know, um, but I give 110% to it because I want it to be so great for those women that are out there. I want them to see what we're doing and be like, oh, man, I want to be a part of that or I want to see that or I want to find those connections or I want to, you know, and like our cookbook, it, I had... I had done it one way and I was like, oh, I just don't like this. So I'm I'm like now switching some stuff around and and it'll be done here soon, I promise. But I, I was like, I just want it to be perfect for those people who d- 
did the sponsorships. I want it to be perfect for those people who submitted, you know, the the recipes. I want it to really be something that we're proud of and that people want to A, pick up and B, be a part of in the future. You know, like submit your recipes, submit the stuff that you're doing, come on our events, come on our trips, be a part of even, you know, maybe reach out someday and say, hey, I want to, I want to be an ambassador. Or I want to be, you know, part of, part of the cool kids club and, and go on all this stuff and do all that. And, you know, because we do have an amazing board, we have um, amazing ambassadors, we have some really great people that we work with, you know, even, even like, some of our with like Muzzy, the Muzzy Pheasant Farm that, you know, the gentleman that was there and and helping with, you know, just getting the facility together that he was fantastic. You know, he made sure that what do you need? When what can I do? How can I help? You know, he wasn't really putting anything on except for providing us a space. But I got to tell you, he was extremely attentive. You know, he took pictures. He, you know, whatever we needed, he was right there for us. And I want people to want to be a part of our stuff, want to to keep coming to these events, saying when they were on that event that it was the best experience. They met lifelong friends and they're going to, you know, bring their girlfriends next time or they're going to, you know, tell everybody about it. Like, I want those things to happen because I got to tell you, when you find people, when you find your tribe, and it's just, it's, it's so relieving. You know what I mean? Like, like to be able to, to talk to you or to be talk to Megan or, you know, Cass or whatnot, if you're struggling with something, you know, having that community of girls that get it. So I, I love Women of the Wild. I'm so glad that I, I, you know, reached out to you and I was like, Hey, what do you want to do here? Because I'd really like to be a part of it. Um, I'm so glad that I did that. And if anybody's listening, if you feel that attraction to to what we're doing, like reach out, talk to us. We may not have a spot for you right now as an ambassador, but we will definitely get you into some things that we're doing. We will definitely make sure that you feel like you are part of this community, any of your questions that you have answered. Um, there isn't a girl that is on our border, an ambassador that doesn't want you here. So please, please reach out. It, it makes a world of difference, I think, whenever you find your people. It really does. Uh, yeah, it absolutely does. It's it's definitely a community and a tribe that we have going on. And, and yeah, I, we never want girls to feel excluded. Um, and if we don't have something for you, we can help you find something that is for you or in your area. Um, so there's always more new things up and coming, um, trying to be diverse to make sure, I mean, our main focus with women of the wild is a little bit different than a lot of these other groups, because what we're trying to do is base it upon education, new hunters and providing those experiences, those courses, those programs, um, that education base is what our main focus is. We do have hunts and a lot of them are for a first time hunter. So we get, you know, our, our fantastic um, outfitters and guides, they give us these at discounted rates so we can provide education because it's not just about piles. It's not just about pictures. It's about learning and, and building that community in the outdoors. Um, now we do, we do have some hunts that are for more advanced hunters because they have a place too. So we, we kind of try to hit on all those bases to make sure that 
we're able to give access to what we're doing to everyone, whether you're, you've never even picked it up and you just want to learn or you're new to it, or it's your second or third season, or you've been doing it for 15 years. We all have a place in this community and being able to thrive together mm-hmm. and share. Um, I love when we're on an event and we have a veteran hunter out there with a newbie or a first season and they sit there and they take the time out of their day to educate one of those girls and they they're not even part of it they're just at the event to, to participate and then seeing that community build that way too and those friendships kindled and right. it's it's really heartwarming and that's what we're here to do yeah no truly agree so i guess we're pretty much at the end of our hour we try to keep these to an hour um is there anything else that maybe I didn't touch on that I should have or said it's so hard with podcasts whenever you're the host because I can't remember what I've talked about and what I haven't and (laughs) what I've said um but is there anything else I need to to say or talk about that I didn't um I don't think so I think that I mean, we have so much more that is going to be coming and it's, I mean, obviously not the last you're going to hear of any of us and especially Linda. So, um, I, for me, I just want to, I want you to know how much we appreciate you here and you're such a hard worker. Um, you, I mean, you handle tasks that with me being technology illiterate, you, you really spearhead a lot of our technical issues that we have. And, um, Yeah. I'm just so appreciative for you and everything you're doing, not even just with us, just as a female in this industry, you are just incredible in everything you do with everything you're involved in, how much everything's based upon, you know, just always being there for everyone and doing the right thing and, and just conservation and, and building this community and putting your effort into it, it doesn't with you, it doesn't just stop with women of the wild. You do it in every aspect of life and you share that throughout so many other avenues that it just goes to show the type of person you are. You're, you're really incredible. I appreciate that. I'm going to cry. What the heck? <laughs> you cry, but you need to know how appreciated you are. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that sometimes I know we all get you know, caught up in life. And, and it's nice to hear that somebody says that to you, you know, and thinks that. So I appreciate you. And um, I appreciate all of our listeners. And so we're going to wrap this up. But um, please make sure you tune in. You know, our we have our podcast every other week, every other Friday week comes out. And the last three, including this one here, you know, you've heard from our board. So now we're going to kind of switch gears and hear from some other women that are are within the community and have made an impact. So stay tuned and we will see you all next. No, in two weeks. Yeah. And right. don't forget our, our calendars, our pre-sale for our calendars is going. Ooh, um, yeah. so those are at a discounted rate right now for $15 a calendar. You can get them on www.womenofthewild.net. Um, those will be on sale until Cyber Monday. The evening of Cyber Monday, they will be um, at regular price. Um, don't know that off the top of my head. I think it's $24, $24 I believe, um, is the regular price. But right now you can support these women and all these women that are featured in that calendar. Are women out there doing a service to our community and sharing their passion and everything with other women? So 
these are all women being showcased for what they're doing in the outdoors. Um, and we also have a little special treat there at the end of it um, with our, our next generation of young women. Um, so it's make sure you get your calendars and support what we're doing. And thank you to all of our sponsors. And we should by next week have our cookbook ready for sale too. And I'm my goal is to have it done by the end of this week and have it out to our printers. So by next week, we should be able to have a, a pre-sale. I, I would like to have it on there by Black Friday. So you should be able to pick that up too. Get that in time for the holidays. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and tune in in two weeks. Thanks, Linda. And that concludes this episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or would like to check out our website, it is www.womenofthewild.net. We post different events and everything that we've got going on. We would really like to also thank our sponsors, ACC Crappie Sticks, Girls With Guns, Southern Snare, Sawmill Creek Baits and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safari, Dr. Josh Farr Children's Books, and Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service. Thank you all and hope that you tune in in two weeks for our next episode.